0: Our faith as Christians should never be mistaken for a mystical, magical formula to get what we want and make our wildest dreams come true. Christianity is not not about your wishes coming true. Our God is not a genie that serves at the pleasure of our will. Christianity, on the other hand, does, however, center around a covenant keeping God covenant like bishop told you earlier is a contract or a written promise a guaranteed oath that is sworn to be confirmed and be completed and where god has made a promise he expects us to expect to receive it did you catch that note where god has made a promise he expects us To expect to receive it. To come to God with anything less than expecting what he promised he would give is to dishonor him by your very approach. Hebrews 11 says he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So again, where God has made a promise, he expects us to expect to receive. Receive it. Say, I expect, I expect to, receive to receive the promises of God. Now, one of the many promises of God that he expects us to expect to receive is he promised to bless people who believe in his word. Go with me to Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 through 9. Bear in mind all, we, all we've read about Abraham so far says, just as, those are two very important words. Give me a healthy just as. Like you had your coffee. Just as. Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. Now, the writer here, Paul teaching to his church at Galatia is making a radical claim he said "Uh, you're letting the orthodox Jews look down on you because they're telling you Gentiles that your faith experience is not legitimate because they are the literal blood ancestors of Abraham Paul said nope He said, I don't care what's in their DNA. The only real descendants of Abraham are people who have faith in what God has said and is saying. Therefore, no, only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, Gentiles being all non-Jews or all non-natural descendants of Abraham that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preach the gospel to Abraham beforehand saying, in you all the nations shall be blessed. So then, in conclusion, those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Do you have even a little tiny bit of faith in you this morning? Then according to the scripture, you are blessed with the same blessing God gave Abraham. Go down to verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That The blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus that we might receive the promise, the promise, the oath, the contract, the promise of the spirit or the promise that the spirit made the promise of the spirit or the promise that the spirit made all those hundreds and thousands of years ago. The promise of the spirit through faith. Now, finally, verse 29 of Galatians chapter 3. Look at this. Verse 29 of Galatians chapter 3. If you are Christ's, now, that's a big if. But if you have believed on the Lord Jesus, if you have confessed your sins, if you have accepted his work on the cross, if you have made the decision to bow your knee to the Lordship, then you are Christ's. If you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and And I wish you were preaching with me a little more this morning. But I'll give you some time to wake up. You are Abraham's seed and? Heirs. Look at somebody say, I'm an, I'm an heir. Tell them you're an heir. I'm an okay. We are heirs to that same promise God made him. A little bit more foundation just because you need it and it's good for you. Romans chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. Romans chapter 4. Now, speaking about Abraham, Paul is explaining how the faith and the hope process concerning the promise worked in his life. He said, Abraham, who, contrary to hope, in hope, believed. And we're going to have to unpack that. Contrary to hope, in hope, believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body. Already as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able to perform. Now let's go back to the first part of that who, contrary to hope, in hope believed. The scripture is revealing here that there's two sources of hope. There is the hope that comes from your natural circumstances. Uh, You know, when Abraham and Sarah first got married, they were younger people. And when younger people get married, they tend to have children. And so Abraham and Sarah got married and they were they were hoping, you know, we're young. We're just starting out our lives. And we're two healthy young people and and we're going to have a baby. So their hope was based on their natural circumstances and natural circumstances at times can give you a modicum of hope. But as the decades went by, they noticed after trying and trying and trying and trying and trying that their natural circumstance wasn't telling them to be hopeful anymore. Their natural circumstance was telling them that it was impossible. So what was once hopeful, hey, honey, we just got married, let's have a baby, has now turned into impossible. And yet, when the natural, all natural inclinations and signs that you should be hopeful, when that completely dissipates, there's still another source of hope you can draw from. And that second source of hope is you can hope in the promise of God. So while Abraham's in his 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, even 70s, he's kind of pulling from that natural hope. We could still possibly have a baby. When he gets in his 80s and his 90s, now all of a sudden the natural hope is gone. He has no source to get it from the natural. So he shifts his focus and begins to hope in what the word of God said, even though it's contrary to his natural hope. So when you're standing in circumstances that are making you feel hopeless, The circumstances, number one, let's not check our minds at the door. The circumstances are hopeless. If they weren't hopeless, we would not need a supernatural God. The circumstances are not lying to you. The circumstances are hopeless. But that does not mean you don't have another source to go to. Where God has made a promise, no matter how ridiculous. Ridiculous the promise might look. You can put your hope even when it's impossible in the natural. You can put your hope into the promise that God has made, and look what look what doing that did for Abraham. Uh, verses nineteen or eighteen through twenty one said that that hope put him in this position. This this describes him. he, he was not weak when you put your hope in god you put your hope in something and it makes you it drives out weakness he was not weak he did not consider the limitations he didn't con- he was no longer considering the limitations of his body which was almost 100 years old or her body which was 90 he wasn't considering the deadness of her womb only hoping in God gives you the ability to not consider the deadness around you, to not consider the deadness of your situation. Only hoping in the word God has said is strong enough to take your focus off of all of the limitations. He just didn't consider the limitations. Number three, he did not waver. He wasn't going back and forth, high one minute, low the next, happy one minute, depressed the next. He did not waver. He was strengthened in faith. He was giving glory to God. And verse 21 said he was fully convinced. Now, that's the position that, that hoping in what God said put Abraham in. And that is the position that hoping in what God says will put you in, regardless of where you are at this morning in your circumstances, regardless of how hopeless it looks, regardless of the anxiety and the fear that you may feel. If you will hope in what the word of God said, you can be not weak, not considering the limitations, not wavering, strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and fully convinced now. The text we read in Hebrew says that God wanted to make the purpose of his promise very clear. Do you remember that? Very clear to the heirs. So, so God was very specific in how he laid it out. And he wasn't just specific for Abraham's benefit. He was specific for the benefit of the heirs, which are you and I. Galatians said, if we are in Christ, we are heirs to the promise that the blessing of Abraham might come on us. So if we are heirs, the question is, heirs to what? And God sent me in here this morning to be the attorney who reads the will and tells you what your inheritance is. I've come to announce to your spirit and to your soul What your inheritance is. Your inheritance is we are the recipients of the same blessing and the same covenant promise that God made to Abraham. And listen, knowing the covenant promise, Hebrews 6 said, gives great consolation or encouragement and gives a hope. Do you remember what it said about the hope that anchors the soul? Now, many of you came in here adrift. It's like you're in a boat without a rudder, no sails up to catch the wind, and no anchor, okay? Just adrift. Many things in life, the troubles of life, grief, anxiety, depression, stress, health concerns, financial concerns. It can make you feel like you're in the middle of the ocean on a boat by yourself. And in those circumstances, we try to put our anchor down. When you get into trouble and trouble rocks you, you try to put your anchor down into something, you know, something to stop the madness. Okay, And most of the time we try to put our anchor into natural solutions. And sometimes that works. You know, sometimes therapy does work. Sometimes the medication does work. Sometimes working natural systems does work. But for those times when the natural systems fail you, And the doctor has done everything they can, and you're still not getting better. And there's no move that you can make financially. Everything's going crazy in the relationship, or your heart is upside down in grief. In those times, you have to know that if you can't put your anchor down in natural circumstances, you can always put your anchor down into the promise that God has made If you know the promise, that's why it's so important that you don't just come to church to sing and to shout. You better learn something. You better know something. You better walk out of the doors knowing something you didn't know before or the preacher has failed you. Because when the enemy comes against you and all hell breaks loose and you can't find any peace for your soul, if you don't know what to anchor yourself down and you stay adrift. So knowing the covenant, just knowing the covenant, knowing what God said, whether or not, whether or not you grow in your level of faith into it and toward it, that's a separate issue. I'm just talking about knowing it, knowing what it says, and knowing that the New Testament said that this Old Testament promise and covenant was still applicable to you because of your connection by faith to Jesus Christ. That's important. That's important. That's important. So look at, um, let's look at what happens to people that don't know the covenant promise. Go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. This is the condition of people that don't know. Paul writes to the church at Ephesus. He said, remember that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens or alienated. You were without Christ, being alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. Having no hope and without God in the world. Wait a second. Why didn't they have hope? They didn't have hope look at it having no hope Why didn't they have hope the text said it because they were strangers to the covenants of promise if that's true If being a stranger to the covenant of promise can cause you to have no hope Then familiarizing yourself with the covenants of promise and what God has said can fill you with hope and interestingly enough it is through this hope that faith works I've told you time and time again that uh, if hope is the destination where you're trying to end up that faith becomes your bridge but faith without a destination or faith without hope is a bridge to nowhere okay. so this hope in what God has promised actually gives us something to use our faith towards. It gives us something. Now I can, if I have a hope, now I can pray in faith. If I have a hope, now I can speak faith. Instead of my circumstances and the reality and the facts of my situation, I can stand in a bad situation and speak faith. And I'm not just talking out of my head, making up crazy stuff. I'm speaking faith according to the hope that was established by reading the covenant promise that God said we could have. You understand what I'm saying? That hope releases your faith now I can stand in faith having done all to stand I can stand in faith because the hope was established we don't really have a faith problem in the church we got a hope problem so many people are here this morning and have no idea what they're hoping for and you don't know what you're hoping for because you haven't read the covenant to realize what's available and what you can have So to ensure that we're not strangers to the covenant, let's break it open. Let's break open the original covenant that the Bible says in the New Testament is our inheritance. And let's look at some of it. Take me to Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 3. We're just going to look at a tiny piece of it. But I figured it'd be enough for today just to start down this road. Now, the Lord had said to Abraham. Actually, it doesn't say Abraham there. The Lord said to to Abram. This was before the name change. The Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house to the land that I'm going to show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great. You shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. Just off the top of your head, what do you think the most common word in those three verses are? Say it like you got confidence. Blessed. The, The centralized point of the covenant, if you get anything out of this message, grab this. The centralized point of God's covenant with Abraham was God was saying, I'm going to bless you. Bless you. I'm going to bless you. Now we don't get excited about that. Because uh, the church as a whole in America has murdered our understanding of the blessing of God. And because we don't know what blessed means, we don't know what to get excited about when we read the covenant. He says, I'm, I'm going to bless you. Let me define the blessing of God real quick. The blessing of God is defined this way. It is the empowerment Everybody say empowerment. Empowerment. The empowerment. God giving you power. It's the empowerment to succeed. God empowering you to be a success. Or God putting his power on you. Enabling you to do things and be successful that you would not ordinarily be able to do. The blessing of God is simply an empowerment. All right, it's empowerment. Uh, do me a favor, so I'll feel like that I really did a good job explaining that, and just shout empowerment. empowerment. For years, and this troubles me. For years, we've tried to teach the blessing of God, and the church in America as a whole. For years, it's been presented um, like the blessing of God is the results of the blessing. Like you see the trees swaying and moving back and forth and and the branches and the leaves rustling and you say that's the wind. No, that's the results of the wind. But the wind and what the wind produces are two different things. So you looked at a car and you said, that's the blessing of God or a watch or a nice suit or a promotion on the job and you said, "Oh, look, that's the blessing of God." No, that's the results some of them of the blessing of God. But you make a great you you make a great mistake when you tie the blessing of God when you tie its definition up as some material thing. The blessing of God is not material, it's an empowerment. It's not material. It's an empowerment, it's not material, it's an empowerment. It's God giving me power I didn't have before. Now, if we're talking about power, power can't be judged or rated or measured without an opposing force against it. I can tell how powerful the power lifter is by stacking more and more plates of weight on the bar. I can judge how strong he is by what he's pushing against. So really, you can't tell how blessed I am when I drive up and you see my car. You can't tell how blessed I am when you walk inside my house and look at my furniture. Really, to tell how blessed I am, you would have to see all of the weights that were stacked against me and all of the difficulties of force that came against my life. And, and, And in spite of the force that was applied against me, I was still able to succeed and I was Able to succeed because I am blessed. And I'm blessed means I'm empowered by. God. Throw everything you want to throw at me. When it's all over, I'll still be standing wise because I'm a blessed man. When I wake up in the morning, I'm a blessed man. When I lay my head down, I'm a blessed man. It just means I've got an empowerment from God. When my baby was in the NICU for six months, I was a blessed man. When I was $3 million in medical debt, I was a blessed man. I was able to walk out of all of it and rejoice all the way. Because I am a blessed man. Don't look at my car and say he's blessed. Look at my shoes and say he's blessed. Look at my warfare and you'll be able to see how blessed I am. Somebody in here thinks the blessing of God is a million dollar mansion but they don't realize there's a lady sitting a few rows behind them that got thrown out of her house lost the house went totally bankrupt credit was jacked up everything financially was terrible and yet because she was a blessed woman two years later she is purchasing her own house again got her credit fixed got her life going in the right direction you're looking at millionaires and Mercedes and Bentleys and calling it blessing no the blessing is an empowerment to take hell's best punch and keep standing. Somebody say, I am blessed. So when God was looking at Abraham, really in the beginning of Abraham's life, when he was looking at him and he said, boy, I am going to bless you. What he was saying is, throughout the journey of your life, there's going to be some weights applied. Some force applied against you that tries to stop you. Some diseases that come and attack you and try to stop you. Some enemies that join forces and come together against you to try to stop you. They're going to kidnap your family members. They're going to put you in trouble. They're going to threaten you on all sides. They're going to come against your health. They're going to come against your marriage. Pharaoh's going to try to steal your wife. All hell is gonna break loose against you. You're gonna have to wait a force applied to your life because you're gonna have to wait until you're an old man to give birth to the child you dreamed for. But in spite of all of the opposing forces that come against you in your life, what I'm putting on you now will ensure that no weapon formed against you for the rest of your life will have the ability to prosper. I am empowering you. I'm trying to teach and y'all keep jumping up. I am empowering you. So no matter what comes, you can take it. And not only take it, you can succeed. So when God says, I want to bless you, what he's saying is, I see everything that's coming the next 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years of your life. I see all of the things that's going to make you cry. I see all of the things that's going to come against your health. I see all of the things that's going to come against your purpose. I see all of the things that's going to come against your destiny. And what I'm putting on you is an empowerment to take every one of them in stride. I see the moments where you're going to feel like your heart is broken and that you can't take another step. And when you don't have the power to keep moving, when you don't have the power, it feels like to even get out of bed because your heart's hurting so bad my empowerment will kick in and I'll cause you to get through seasons that when you look back you have no idea how you made it through anybody ever been through something like that you didn't know how you were gonna get through it but every day you kept walking through it and you don't really understand now how you got through it let me explain it to you it was the blessing of God because the blessing of God is an impact Empowerment. Say, I am blessed. I am blessed. If you're a man, say a man. If you're a woman, say a woman. Say, I'm a blessed man. Give God a hand clap of praise. All right, we got to teach. We got to teach. We got to teach. We got to teach. Deuteronomy 8.18. Let me show you a scripture we we, uh, we retch out of context and misappropriate a lot because we still, many of you, you shouted over what I said, but you still think blessing is material. You still think it's money. Listen to the scripture. You shall remember the Lord, your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your father, that he may establish. In other words, God's got to give us something because we're heirs of a promise he made. has nothing to do with us. He shouldn't have said it if he didn't want to give it. But because he said it, he can't lie, has to give it. So in order to establish his covenant and not be a liar, God's got to give us this blessing. But where do you think the blessing is in the text? Most people think it's the wealth. Remember the Lord, your God, for it is he that gives you power to get wealth. You know, we make the power real little and the wealth real big. No, the wealth's not the blessing. The power is the blessing. The wealth is the result. Somebody say, I got the power. Oh, say it again. I got the power. Make this confession with me. God's power is on me, in me, and flowing through me. So what's attacking me doesn't have a chance. Oh, I feel that in my spirit. God's power is on me. is in me. It's flowing through me. So what's attacking me does not have a chance. Power! Power! Power. Power. Remember the Lord your God. It is he who gives you. This is your inheritance. This is the commonwealth of Israel that we are no longer alienated from. This is what God promised to do to the descendants, the seed of Abraham. He said, I'm going to give you power. That's why he said to people in weak circumstances, let the weak say, Because when you run out of your power. That's why he said, let the poor say, I am rich. Because when you run out of your power financially. There's an unlimited resource of power. Available to you. Now, that word power. What's it describing? What's it defining? Thank you so much. You made my day. What's the word power defining? What it means to be blessed by God. So those of you that are critical thinkers and you come to the, you come to church and you come to the word and you're thinking critically and you've been, and I'm only bringing this up because I heard it in my spirit. You've been bringing up and praying, God, God, Malachi 3 is not working for me because you said in your word, if I would bring the tithe, that you would open the windows of heaven and pour out so much money. Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, please. As soon as you can, no, I didn't give it to you, but I need you to find it for me and find it in a hurry. Bring all the to the storehouse. There may be meat in my house. Prove me now herewith, says Lord of hosts, if I will not, verse 11. Try me now in this, verse 11, or verse 12. Come on, come on, come on. Come on now. Okay, try, I'll, I'll read it for you. Try, try me now in this. And see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a money. not money. Never prom- You can take that off the screen. It's not correct. Uh, never promised to give you money. Promised to give you. The blessing, which is power. And if you got power, you ought to be able to go get your own money. Some people in your government may love welfare. Your God does not. Your God is not into just giving you something for nothing. Your God wants you to give, to give you the power so you can get yourself up, take yourself out, and do something in the earth. Make something happen. Now, he'll give you the ability to do what you couldn't ordinarily do, but he still wants you to take what he gave you and do something with it. So so the blessing, watch this now. The blessing is an empowerment to do. That means if you're lazy, lazy people cannot be blessed. Learn all the scriptures you want to learn. Pray until your knees bleed well you won't cuz you're lazy but 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 you can know all of this stuff understand all of this stuff and even believe it but if you never get up and go out and do something with the empowerment god gave you you can't see the manifestation of the blessing because again the blessing's not a thing it's not material It's an empowerment. All right. Say, I am blessed blessed. with the empowerment of God. All right. Go back to Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Yeah, I know, brother. God gave me this. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord has said to Abram, What'd he say? I'm tired of preaching by myself. Preach with me. He said, in other words, in, in other words, number just number 1, get out of your country. In other words, remove yourself from the toxic environment that has the potential to hinder your empowerment. Okay. Abraham, I'm about to dump power on you, boy. But if I put this power on you while you're in the midst of a toxic environment, The power is going to be surrounded by pollution. You won't be able to get the most out of it. A polluted engine will will still run for a little while, but you can't get the most out of it. Some of you are hindered in your blessing, not because of what you don't know and not because of what you don't believe, but you have planted yourself in a toxic environment that wars against the empowerment that God put in you. And you're supposed to be using your power to go out and win battles against enemies, not using your empowerment to survive in the toxic soup you're choosing to go lay down in. So get out of your country. And, and, and furthermore, I'm, a, I'm, about, I'm about to change your life. I'm about to make you a new country. I, literally, I'm about to make you a nation. I can't make you a new nation while you're living with an old one. So separation is in order. Get out of your country from your family. In other words, you're going to have to sever ties with people who tie you to what you were. Because Abraham, a name change is coming. You're no longer going to be called Abram. I'm going to start calling you Abraham. Abraham. Meaning is changing. Purpose is changing. Your life is changing. But if you stay connected to those people in your family, they will constantly call you by what you used to be and refuse to recognize what I have made you become. That's the thing about some family members, you know. You can go out, you can grow up, go out and do great things. You can be a titan of industry. You can make a million dollars in the company. You you can have your face on the cover of Time Magazine. When you go home for Thanksgiving, you're Bobo again. (laughs) Hey, Bobo! (laughs) And and nobody talks about your accomplishments. They always talk about the story when your brothers tricked you into drinking water out of the toilet seat. You know. (laughs) Certain people will not let you escape what you were. They try to keep you trapped in what you were, even when it's not even relative anymore. So God said, if I'm going to take you from Abram to Abraham, if I'm going to take you to being your own nation, your own culture, something that's never been before, you have to extract yourself, remove yourself from these negative people who want to keep you tied to what you were and then number three he said I want you to get out of your father's house Because I won't share the position of source in your life Oh my god All of y'all missed it Jesus said no man can serve two masters. He'll love one and hate the other so So up until this point, Abraham was still living in his father's house. So, you know, Abraham may have been great. He may have been talking with God. But to this point in his life, his father had been the the source of provision. And God was saying, I want to do great things with you. But you're going to have to trade one source for another. I can't be your heavenly father and your source so long as your faith your hope and your expectation are tied to your earthly father being your source so if you want to take the next step in this progression you're going to have to get out of your father's house you're going to have to get out from under the umbrella of that source and receive a new one and and this is hard because it's hard to leave one source while it's flowing. Even if you have the instinct, you know what? this, this I, I really should have been past this by now. I, I really should have been further. I should have moved on from this by now. But it's still flowing and, and it's hard to take that step of faith to, to transition to the next source. But that's what the promise is for. God bent down and he said, you can trust me to do this. You can hope in me. You can depend on me. You can put your anchor down in this because if you'll get out of your country and away from your family and from your father's house, I'll give you your own land. I'll lead you to a land, put it back up there that I will show you. I'll show you the land. And then I'm taking you to the land. I'm taking you out of the land you've been in. right? And I'm taking you to a new land for the purpose of creating a new nation out of you in the land. Every believer, listen to me. God wants to partner with you to put something in the earth that's never been here before. Now look, everybody can't Everybody can't get with me on that. Their faith level just, you know. But for those of you that can, God wants to partner with your life to put something in the earth that's never been here before. Maybe it's a business that's never been here before, you know. Maybe it's a book. Maybe it's a song. Maybe maybe it's a, a coaching class that's not being offered. Maybe it's whatever it is. God wants to partner with your life to put something in the earth that's never been here before. If you have children, you've already done some of that because when you had those children, they've, they've, the world has never seen anything like uh, your child. Every single one of them is unique. But more than that, there's supposed to be more produce coming out of you into the earth through the empowerment and the help of God. I'm telling you God did not save you and purpose you and destine you just to live in a rut living paycheck to paycheck. There is greatness in you and even if there wasn't the empowerment of God is on you and if you've got the empowerment of God himself there is no limitation to the possibilities of what you can do. God wants to partner with your life to put something in the earth that's never been here before. He said, I'm going to make a nation. He says, I'm going to make a nation. I'm going to make a nation. Verse two, I'll make you a great nation and I will, I will, I will. What's it mean? I will. And I will empower you and make your name great. What makes his name great? The empowerment. You know, these are not, uh, when you read the Abrahamic covenant, it's not like 492 separate blessings. It's one blessing that causes all of these derivatives and side effects and results. He says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to empower you. And my empowerment is going to make your name great. So you got a photography business and nobody knows your name. And all of a sudden, that blessing of God, that empowerment is working in you. And one person calls you. And through that one person, you get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of clients. How did it happen? How did your name get made great? the blessing. Nobody had ever heard of this young, silly preacher. I was 20 years old. Nobody had heard of me. The only place I ever preached was here, you know, and we had a lady that worked here. Her and her husband worked here and they had to move to Orlando and they took the box that was in their, their office. They just had a box of stuff that was on the desk. And one of my DVDs happened to be in the box. She didn't take it because she liked the message. She's, it was just in the box. You understand what I'm saying? And she happened to be at her new job in Orlando one day. And she put that, that DVD in just for nostalgia. Oh, I miss, I miss Christian World. I miss the sides. Let me put in this little DVD. Oh, this one's of Jason preaching. And... Her boss, the pastor of a megachurch, walked by while she was playing the little DVD. He said, who is that? Give me his number. I want him to preach here Sunday. Now, 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 now. Somebody that wasn't even that fond of me. God used to connect and take my name to a place it would have never been. Now, I preached for that preacher for a few years, and then some preacher in Pittsburgh saw the live stream of me preaching for this other preacher, and the preacher in Pittsburgh called me, and he, he went further than that. He, just, he didn't just want me to preach. He said, I want to hire you and give you a job. Now, I didn't take it, but the point is, the point is, my name started getting passed around in circles without me sending business cards, without me buying Facebook ads, without me getting a billboard, without me having a website, without me making phone calls and begging people for opportunities, without me chasing things all around the country, just trying to get an open door. God took One little thing. And, and he started amplifying what was on my name. God can take one little thing about you and then empower that one thing. I feel, the, I feel the empowerment of God flowing in this church right now. One little thing. Just one little thing. Put your right hand on your head and say one thing. Come on, put your hand on your head and say one thing. Gods about to give you favor for one thing. Just one thing. One thing. God can do more with one thing. Ask David what God can do with a slingshot. Whoever thought God would have made a king of a nation out of something as silly as a little slingshot. What's your slingshot? What can you do? Do you sit at a keyboard and type? Do you play an instrument? Do you write? What do you do? What do you do what do you do what is your one thing throw your both hands up and say god bless my one thing bless my you ain't hollering say bless my one thing do you bake cookies do you sell anything god bless my one thing there's this like 80 year old grandma from kentucky that has become a superstar on instagram what's alabama what's her name huh Brenda Gann? Anybody know about Brenda Gann? She is a superstar influencer on social media. And she's like this old grandmother that is just funny. She kind of talks funny. She kind of sounds backwoodsy, you know, just real, real, real country. And she found out if she started taking her cell phone out and baking stuff and recording herself while she was baking it, that people liked what they saw. And now she's making millions of dollars and has cookbooks and all kind of stuff coming out because God blessed her one thing. It's an empowerment, the blessing of God. It's an empowerment. So he says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. In other words, I will cause people, listen to this, I will cause people to be attracted to you. God is saying, this is your inheritance. God is saying, I will cause people to be attracted to you. And they won't know it. They'll think it's you they're attracted to. But really, they're attracted to my empowerment. (laughs) I promise you, I could take a long time and explain it. And I'm not self-deprecating. This is just the God's honest truth. If you like hearing me minister, do you know what you like? I promise you, you don't like me. I promise you. If we met in social, a social situation, you wouldn't want to have coffee with me. I promise. Ask my wife. If you like me, what you really like is the empowerment he put on me. The best thing about me, I promise you, is the empowerment he put on me. It's not, it's not what I've worked for, what I've studied, what I've learned, my experience. I have all that. It's not the best thing. The best thing about me is the empowerment. And God said, he got, God said, you know, I'll, I'll let you use my credit like it's yours. I'll let you use my favor like it's yours. I'll let you use my influence like it's yours. I'll make your name great. Then he says, and you shall be a blessing. Now, if you don't like bless me messages, it's because you're dumb. All you got to do is go on Google and just all you have to do, just whoever your favorite preacher is, if they're famous, if they've ever preached a bless me message, all you got to do is go on Google. You'll find a hundred videos attacking them, calling them false prophets. You know, uh, this is the wolves in sheep's clothes and all that. And, and, and the, the real heart of what these people are saying in these videos is you're not preaching the gospel. You're not telling people that they're sinners and that they're going to hell and that they need to be saved. You're preaching about the blessing of God. They think material, houses, cars, planes, all that. They think that's the blessing of God. The, the haters that are criticizing, the pre, they think that's the blessing of God. No, that's not even the purpose of the blessing of God. This verse, verse 3, outlines and defines why. God wants to bless you or why God wants to empower you. God's empowerment has an intended end. God wants to empower you to the point that you become an empowerment to someone else. <laughs> o God. It's not that different than what God did when he made the first apple tree. I'm going to empower you, apple tree, with so much power that you can produce after yourself and continue to produce after yourself. And con- In fact, I'll, I'll empower you so much that I'll make sure all the seed you drop or all the fruit you drop has multiple seeds in it. Okay. In other words, I'll make sure you can reproduce what you have become. So I have to make this apple tree once. I got to make this man and this woman once. I got to make these blades of grass once. I got to make this oak tree once. I got to make these cows once. I got to make these goats and horses once. But after I do it once, I'm never going to do it again because I'm going to put inside of it the ability to become what it was made. So God says, Abraham, I want to empower you to the point that you become empowerment to other people. Or I'll bless you so that you can be a blessing. Why? Why? Well, it's, the next, it's the next couple of words. And in you, all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. What's he mean by that? This is the third messianic prophecy in scripture. Think about it. This is too deep. I'm going to lose everybody. Just got to say it. So hang with me for a few seconds. Um, Adam and Eve fall in the garden. Mankind is severed from God. There's a breach. Mankind cannot be restored by sacrifices of of, uh, sheep and goats. It pushes the sin forward, but it never sends it away. It never cleanses it. Okay. So man is stuck in a gulf separated from God. And God in Genesis 3 begins to unroll the plan of redemption. First messianic prophecy, the seed of the woman. In other words, there's a man woman doesn't have a seed. There's a seed of a woman, a man from a woman that is going to be born. That's going to fix this curse and crush the head of the serpent. And the serpent is going to bruise his heel. But, but he doesn't tell us when, and he doesn't tell us who the woman is. He doesn't tell us, tell us who's going to give birth to this savior. That's going to fix everything. But let's think about it. If the savior was going to be born, He's got to have a family to be born into. If a family's going to exist, it has to have a nationality, it has to have a race. If a race is going to exist, it has to originate from somewhere. So from Genesis, God counts 42 generations. And He's 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 keeping Abraham in the plan in Genesis. He's saying, I gotta have a family. If I need a family, I gotta have a nation. And I wanna start that nation over with you because there's something coming in 42 generations that's gonna redeem the world. But I want to make sure it comes through the family and the nation and the culture that I choose. So I'm gonna give you a seed in your old age so you can produce a son. I'm gonna empower your son to have have sons. I'm going to empower your grandsons to have 12 sons, 12 tribes, creating a new nation, a new nationality of people. And then I am going to send my Messiah through what you started with my empowerment. And my Messiah is going to come and take away the sins of the world and restore the breach between me and mankind so that through you All the nations of the world can be blessed because Jesus made himself available to every culture, every creed, every kind. Doesn't matter what your background is. Doesn't matter what your race is. If you come to Jesus, he will cleanse you with his blood. That's what he meant. All families of the earth shall be blessed. Do you see? The intentionality of blessing. Do you see why you should want to be blessed? Never, never talk bad about blessing. Never talk down about blessing. Because even the people that use the empowerment of God and their Maybe you're responsible with their stuff or they may be, they may be greedy. You know, uh, God never said that the blessing was contingent on you being perfect. In fact, one scripture says the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. Meaning once he gives it, he doesn't just take it back. So, so, so. Don't, don't, don't misappropriate in your understanding that, that blessing part. He said, In you, all the families are there. I said, oh, I got to go. All the families are there. earth will be blessed. Next, last, last part of the verse, verse three. Verse three. And I will bless those who bless you. I will bless those who bless you. I will bless those who bless you. Now, now. They don't even have to be walking with me. They mess around and bless you. I'm going to bless them. Why? Because indirectly, they're partnering with the purpose of God. Indirectly, they don't know it, but they're doing what God's doing. If someone comes along in your life and they empower you, God said, I'll take notice because they've just stepped into agreement with me, at least on one thing, because they're empowering you. I'm going to bless those that bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. The word curse there means to actively resist, okay? He's not talking about cussing people. He's not talking about, you know, uh, speaking hexes and voodoo stuff on people. It's not Hollywood stuff. Get out, get out all that. This ain't witches and warlocks and all that silliness. The word curse means to actively resist. God said, once I have blessed you, anybody that blesses you or empowers you, I'm going to empower them. Anybody that actively resists you, I will actively resist them. Why would God do that? Why would God do that? Because God's blessing always has a purpose. God's blessing always has a purpose. So if God is blessing me, you may not like it, but you don't know the purpose. So don't resist me. Don't come at me, don't try to fight me, don't try to hold me up, don't try to block me, don't don't slander my name. Don't 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 try to resist me because when you do, when you resist a blessed person, you're resisting the purpose of God. That's what God's not just being, you know, a bully preventer here. He's saying, I'm going to bless anybody that blesses you because by blessing you, they're partnering with my purpose. I will actively resist, curse anyone that curses you because by cursing you or resisting you, they're resisting my purpose. And then you all, families of the earth, we already talked about that, shall be blessed. Stand to your feet. I speak the blessing of the Lord Oh, you can feel it. Hallelujah. I speak the blessing of the Lord over your life, wherever you need it. If you need the blessing in your mind, I speak the blessing of the Lord over your mind. If you need the blessing in your physical body for a health challenge, I speak the empowerment of God into your body right now. In the name of Jesus by the stripes of Jesus Christ we are healed if you need the blessing the empowerment of the Lord toward your finances I speak that as you obey kingdom principles that the empowerment of God comes into your life that God blesses that one thing that you do and makes your name great I speak the blessing of the Lord over your dreams and visions I speak the blessing of the Lord over your gifts. I speak the blessing of the Lord over your children. In the name of Jesus, I speak the blessing of the Lord over your heart. I speak the blessing of the Lord over everything that your heart, your heart has in it. And Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus, you increase these believers these heirs of the promise that you made to Abraham, I ask you increase the knowledge of the covenant. I ask you cause it to swell in them and grow in them. That they would walk around more confident in the covenant and the hope they have in the covenant than what they see in their natural circumstances. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Somebody clap your hands and praise the Lord all over the house.